On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, I've got highlights and analysis from Tesla's critical Q3 earnings call. Yes, they were profitable, and not only that, they blew away Wall Street's expectations. Plus, some end-of-week kerfuffle about the pricing on the Performance Model 3. Let's talk about all of it. Well, howdy, friends. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for October 28th, 2018. It's episode 169. Got Daisy the Boxer Puppy on my left. She is happily gnawing away on a bone, some sort of animal bone. I forget. It's uh, gotten some good mileage out of it. Anyway, I don't want to mess around because this has absolutely been a bonkers week of Tesla activity, culminating here minutes before I sat down to record a whole, as I said in the top opener, a kerfuffle about the pricing of the Performance Model 3. There's been a change there that may be of interest to some of you who have been on the fence about whether to go dual motor Model 3, if you've been interested in that, or maybe uh, the Performance 3. Talk about that in a bit. But first, lots more to get to. The Q3 results were indeed announced, and then Boom, it just happened. Like usually Tesla gives about a one month notice. They'll announce the date for their earnings about a month in advance. That did not happen here. They announced it about two days in advance, announcing it on Monday and then holding the earnings call on a Wednesday. And as you may have heard by now, they are indeed profitable. They did it. They achieved their big goal, the first of, of many big quarterly profitability goals, but they they really, they just were in a position, they, they had to do this. Um, so happy for them that they did. And not only that, as I mentioned at the top, they greatly surpassed Wall Street's expectations to boot. But before I get into that, I wanted to just play a quick PSA for everyone from Jonathan in Atlanta regarding the dash cam functionality. This is, uh, this is definitely of, of interest to anybody out there uh, with a Tesla. So Jonathan, take it away. Jonathan from Atlanta again. So I just got finished listening to your podcast, Ryan, and there is some confusion and uh, I think from you and the vast majority of the Tesla community, including myself, on how that dash cam is used so as not to corrupt the thumb drive, the, the jump drive. And the way you do that is you have to manually turn on and off the dash cam as you enter and exit the vehicle. To do this, you have to tap the icon, which before you tap it, it should just show a little gray dot in the top right-hand corner of that camera. When you tap that icon, it turns red, which means that is now that dot is now red, which means it's recording. When you exit the vehicle, before you exit the vehicle, you're going to need to turn it off. And to do that, of course, you're going to tap that icon. And this time, instead of just simply tapping, you're going to hold your finger over the icon for about a second or two, and it'll you'll see a little flash around your finger, and then that basically turns the camera off. Yes, it's a little labor-intensive right now, but as all of us, I'm sure, are confident in, it will be fixed in a future update. So there you go. Hope that, hope that helps everybody, and keep up all the good work, man. Well, nothing to add to this one, Jonathan. I just want to say thank you for that PSA. This is why I love the hotline calls, because we all get to help each other out and all learn stuff, me included. Uh, that strategy has worked brilliantly 
for me. Uh, I've been using it for about a week ever since Jonathan called in. So uh, passing that along to all of you guys. So let's get to the Q3 earnings call, starting with, as always, Elon Musk's opening statement. This one isn't quite as long as a uh, typical, usually I have to tell you to buckle up for like a 10 minute audio uh, clip here, but this one's a bit shorter because Elon brings in a bunch of other Tesla executives who uh, I broke all those out separately, so we'll get to those. But first, Elon's opening remarks. But I want to start by thanking all of our customers, employees, and shareholders. Uh, this was an incredibly historic quarter for Tesla. Model 3 production stabilized. We're, we delivered a total of uh, 84,000 vehicles globally, which is more than 80% of the vehicles that we delivered in all of 2017. In fact, we delivered more cars in this quarter than we did in all of 2016, in a single quarter. Uh, Model 3 became the best-selling car in the U.S. in terms of revenue and the fifth best-selling car in terms of volume. We saw higher revenues and significantly better profitability in our uh, energy business. Um, in fact, I think for solar, it may have been the best quarter ever for solar. We achieved GAAP net income of over $300 million. Uh, increased cash and equivalents by $731 million and achieved a greater than 20% gross margin uh, for Model 3. And um, moreover, we expect to again have a positive net income and cash flow in Q4. And uh, I believe our aspiration certainly will be for all quarters going forward. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we, we can actually be positive cash flow uh, and, and profitable for all quarters going forward. Leaving aside quarters where we may uh, need to do a, a significant repayment, um, but I, I, for example, in, in, in Q1 next year. But I, I think even even in Q1, I, I think we can be approximately flat in, in cash flow uh, by end of quarter. Um, this quarter was made possible by the incredible execution of our uh, employees across the board from sales, production, delivery, service, energy, engineering, finance, and all of our GNA teams. Really, every part of the business executed incredibly well. I want to thank everyone again for incredibly hard work. Um, I, I especially want to thank uh, customers who uh, helped. It's like I've never even heard of this. Maybe this has happened before, but I've, I've never heard of a, a case where a company's customers actually cared about the, the future of the company so much that they volunteered their time to help the help a company succeed. Um, I think that's. That's amazing. Just don't, don't see that um, anywhere. So, um, yeah, this like really makes chokes me up. Actually, this this quarter we started rolling up rolling out version nine of our software, which is our biggest software upgrade in two years. And Model Three received a, a five star safety rating in every category and subcategory. Um, I got the lowest probability of injury of any car that the U.S. government has ever tested. Looking ahead, we expect to produce and sell even more Model 3s in Q4 uh, and uh, expect that trend to continue into, into Q1. Um, and we're excited to bring Model 3 to Europe and China early next year, given that the market for mid-sized premium sedans in those regions is even larger than in North America. Um, I've said before that we must prove that Tesla can be sustainably profitable. Uh, this quarter was an important step towards that, and I'm incredibly excited about what lies ahead. So this is, uh, yeah, just um, so so proud of the of the Tesla team, our customers. Uh, really appreciate the support of our long-term shareholders, um, and um, yeah, I just want to say on behalf, on behalf of the Tesla team, we're just super appreciative of, of your support through through what has obviously been a, a very difficult time. 
So that part where he thanked the owner volunteers and then stopped and got choked up for a moment, I want all of you guys to rewind uh, to, to that in this podcast and listen to that again, because guess what? He's talking to you. He's talking to us. We now know that Tesla was indeed profitable in Q3, and while 99%, actually make that 99.9% of the credit goes to the incredibly hardworking Tesla team, all 45,000 strong of them. You guys, who don't work for the company, but only love it and its products and its mission, you guys helped contribute to that success. I just want you to take stock of that. Just soak that in for a moment. Again, I I don't want to downplay for a second the huge, huge effort of the formal Tesla team, but all of you out there should feel good knowing that you did help make a difference for Tesla this past quarter. That is quite, to me, again, someone who cares a lot about this stuff, that is simply awe-inspiring, and you could hear that Elon felt the same way. Now, I don't want to gloss over what else he said because there was some important stuff in there. The big one, I think, was that European orders, no doubt for the left-hand drive markets, though Elon didn't specify, may begin by the end of the year, meaning the orders, not the deliveries, but the orders. So we have to take that to mean December for now. So uh, shout out to my European listeners because that is awesome news. Uh, And guys, by the way, my European friends out there, when you do order, please uh, kindly consider using my referral code. Get that six months of free unlimited supercharging. Uh, Anyway, the the other item of note that Elon mentioned is something we've heard before, but worth pausing, I think, to reflect on again, that the Model 3 was the best-selling car in the United States last quarter by revenue. And I know we're not... Here's the thing. We're not even close, in my opinion, my fanboy opinion, to seeing the heights that Model 3 is going to reach. But I'm going to do one of my patented pull-back-to-the-10,000-foot-view moments for a second here. Think about what it took to get to this point, where the Model 3 is the number one selling car in America by revenue in a quarter. The lucky breaks that Tesla's had along the way. The hard work the near failures. You know, you had the Roadster almost not happening because they nearly ran out of money. You had the early, early Roadsters being delayed because they initially had two-speed gearboxes on them that couldn't withstand the car's power. You had the period of time when Tesla's contract with Lotus had ended. It had ended with the Roadster. The original Roadster contract was up and the start of Model S production hadn't happened yet. So Tesla had no products to market, just a couple of powertrain deals. And think back when they got the factory from Toyota, the Numi plant, for pennies on the dollar. The fact that Model S had to effectively be perfect in order for Tesla to have any shot to survive, thrive, and make a difference. And then it was effectively perfect. It was an incredible just one in a million shot of a car on their first try. And it has since, as all of you know, changed the world. And and I could go on and on. And here we are, a promise made good on a volume production, mass market electric sedan. And it can make a claim to being the best selling car in the country 
by revenue. That is simply amazing. Whether or not you're a fanboy like me, even if you're a skeptic, I think you've got to be impressed by that. That is just phenomenal. Kudos to Tesla, everyone at Tesla for just an amazing effort this quarter. All right, let's move on to the next part of the uh, of the conference call here, the earnings call. Uh, we have another, the lead safety vehicle engineer speaking about safety. Elon inviting him on, so take a listen to this. All right, now let's move to, let's start off with uh, vehicle safety. Uh, Madan, who's about a lead vehicle safety engineer, um, been with the company for a long time. What and how many years has it been that we've been like working together? Years. You, yeah, ten years. Ten years. <laughs> wow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been working with Madan for ten years. Uh, we've had so many conversations on vehicle safety. Um, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, you know what? The you know with, we really go try to, to go go the extra extra mile with with vehicle safety. Um, you know, not not just like there's a series of government mandated tests, but um, you know what what some companies do is they they game the system, so they, they know where the, the side pull impact is going to be. They strengthen it right in that position. It, it tells us we're like, okay, what is the weakest point in the car? Let us test it at that position. So it's the actual safety is not fully captured in, in the t- in the tests because we anti-game the system. Thank you, Ila. Just want to give you a very quick background about myself. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, joined Tesla 10 years. I'm extremely very happy to mention I'm working with an extraordinary set of uh, very passionate and uh, very hardworking individuals. And that essentially shows in our product. Mm-hmm. So that's very important for us. And also important is our principal mission statement on safety. Because what we want to do is uh, safety has been is probably the important factor for our vehicle. It's not just for electric vehicle, any vehicle period. Yeah. And that's fundamentally differentiates us. So which essentially helps us to keep adding new features and new safety uh, technology. And that's very important. And that shows in Model 3, mm-hmm. latest to things that we have. Uh, also, the fact that we have an electric vehicle the design and architecture gives us a fundamental benefit over traditional vehicles. Mm-hmm. And that takes care of, for example, whether you have a, a block of engine in the front where we can, we can work with using a pretty much open architecture in the front. And the whole fact that you have all the uh, electrical and high voltage and ba- uh, uh, motors and all of that almost below the center of gravity of the vehicle, right. you say lowest probability of reduced rollover risk. Yeah, and it's that's like, significantly benefit. I think architecturally we have Newton on our side, Correct. and having Isaac exactly. Newton on your side is definitely the way to go. Okay, exactly. So in the latest series of tests, I would like to specifically talk about Model Three. Uh, NHTSA did a series of tests, actually four tests for one frontal, two side, and one rollover test. And if you look at, we have been calculating how can we distinguish within the five star. There are so many vehicles that already get five star. Yeah. And if you look at within the five star, there's there something, same. yeah, same. exactly. So if you look at there, there is a matrix we came up with, which is a part of US NCAP rating itself as the lowest probability of injury. And model three has the lowest. And just to give you a context, there are a total of 900 plus vehicles since 2011, which have been rated. So the fact that model three is the best among all the 943 to be exact. 
So right. that speaks the volume. And I'm very happy to say that uh, Model 3 has achieved. In, we are not stopping right now. Yeah. What we would like to do is next is how we can make use of the active safety and autopilot features mm -hmm. and make it even more improvement. So the next area that we're focusing on, how to integrate active and passive safety. Mm -hmm. That's our next area of challenge, which we will improve for sure. Yeah, it's, it's worth noting that the, the safety extends to uh, not just people in the car, but also pedestrians. Correct. Yeah, okay. so uh, <clears throat> uh, not having a big engine block in the, in the, in the front of the car is, is really helpful so, because if, you, if, if the car were to hit a pedestrian, um, and we'll get to active safety next because the, the best thing is not obviously not to, to hit a car or pedestrian. Um, the the fact that um, the, the the hood can can dent so far in is is really helpful because um, it, it ends up being um, like sort of like it have a sort of like a like like a, like a uh, like a trampoline or like a it has it you just not, you don't you don't have a rock underneath it. It's very helpful. Um, so it's it's helpful for pedestrian safety and for uh, the safety of people in the car, um, and and then uh, even if you have like a head-on collision with another car, the the extended sort of crumple zone of the of the of a Tesla <coughs> Model S X or three is helpful to to the people in the Tesla and the people in the other car. That's so it's not just you know uh, the people in the car. I'd like to add one item, uh, which is essentially how we look at the real-world safety, which has always been an important element for Elon. So if you look at the, our blog post, we showed how we handle the center pole impact in the front row. By the way, that's not part of NCAP rating. Mm -hmm. It's just to show how we go over and above the NCAP rating to make sure it's real-world safety. Yes. That's very important for us. It, exactly. That's what I mean by like, we act like anti-game the system. Like, okay. so what, is the, what is the worst way that, that the car could be hit? N not just sort of strengthen where we know the test will happen and that kind of thing. Um, so... Um, obviously, we're all in these cars. Our friends are in these cars. Families in the cars. So we care a great deal about safety. And a lot of people think safety is boring, but not a Tesla. So, thanks, man. It's, uh, thank you. Thank you for your, your decade of, of hard work and the rest of the Tesla safety team. I just really liked Elon's quote in there about having Isaac Newton on your side, but. Uh, I also thought the figure about 943 cars tested by the NHTSA since 2011 that the Model 3 tested better than was really interesting because I think that really helps put it in perspective. Uh, I also thought it was cool that he said at Tesla, safety is not boring, that they, they have fun with it, they take it very seriously, and they're always uh, trying to improve, and the, and the crash results on all three cars speak for themselves. All right, the autopilot update was next from Stuart Bowers and Pete Bannon. Take a listen to what's up in the world of autopilot. You know, with that, let's, let's uh, move on to the autopilot. Um, and um, if you guys could just give an update on, on sort of uh, autopilot software, AI, and, and hardware. Yeah. That's great. This is Stuart Bowers. Um, we'll soon begin to roll out the team's most advanced autopilot feature ever, Navigate on Autopilot. In our last release, we launched a new set of neural networks that combined together provide a view of everything happening around the car. With Navigate on Autopilot, we'll use information to understand exactly where the car is on the highway system and to automatically change lanes, handle forks, and take high curvature exits to follow a nav route. Initially, it will require drivers to confirm lane changes using the turn signal before the car moves into an adjacent lane. Future versions will allow customers to waive the confirmation requirement if they choose to. One area that I'm personally really excited to build on with this improvement is active safety. With the advancement in neural networks covering 360 degrees of view around our car, 
We can provide a level of constant vigilance that humans just can't. Ultimately, this should allow us to warn and even intervene for an enormous percentage of modern accidents and to ship these improvements as software upgrades to our existing customers. Uh, and we have a lot of, we see this all the time in the, in the, in the data where the call will do an um, automatic braking event uh, and save uh, a, a pedestrian or a, uh, you know, another car from impact. This happens all the time. All the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, every day, virtually every day. It's like pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, the team has done incredible work here, and by bringing up more of the cameras around the car, we can detect things as they come toward us, not just directly in front of us. Yeah. Oh, hi, this is Pete Bannon. Um, the Hardware 3 design is continuing to move along. Um, over the last quarter, we've completed uh, qualification of the silicon, qualification of the board. Uh, we started um, the manufacturing line and qualification of the manufacturing line. We've been validating the uh, provisioning flows in the factory. Uh, we've built test versions of Model S, X, and 3 in the factory. Uh, to validate all the fit and finish of the parts and all the provisioning flows. So uh, we still have a lot of work to do, and the team's uh, doing a great job, and we're still on track to uh, have it ready to go by the end of Q1. Great. And, and th th that'll be um, an, um, on the roughly a 1,000% increase in, in um, processing capability compared to the current hardware. Um, and uh, so it's obviously a, a giant improvement, despite being about the, it, it costs about the same, uh, cost, cost volume and, and power consumption are approximately the same as the current hardware, but is a, a, a tenfold improvement in uh, frames per second. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, and, and improved redundancy as well. Um, but very importantly, very important to emphasize is that uh, the, the only thing that, that needs to change between a car that's produced today and a car that's say, produced in the second quarter of next year um, is swapping out the, the autopilot computer. Right. Um, and um, this is a simple uh, change that takes less than half an hour in, in service to upgrade the computer. Um, and so anyone will be able to upgrade their computer to full self-driving capability, or upgrade, the, upgrade their car to full self-driving capability um, uh, with, with a simple service visit. So we, we expect um, all cars with the um, a, with the hardware to sensor suite, basically anything made in the last roughly two years, um, will be upgradable to full self-driving. Yep. In yep. fact, a lot of the cars we're using for testing today have, in fact, been upgraded from hardware two. Right. So it's, it's very important to emphasize that like, people shouldn't, it's like concerned that people would want to wait until that comes out, but there's no need to wait until that comes out uh, because it's just a very simple plug-and-play uh, change uh, to get to the full self-driving. Um, and um, anyone who's paid for the full self-driving option will just get it done for free. Um, and anyone who, who still wants the, to, to order full self-driving at this point, it's just an off-menu item. You can still order it, um, but the we we, um, uh, we took it off the order menu just because that there were, it was really creating a lot of friction in, in the in the sales process, um, and people didn't understand the difference between enhanced self, uh, autopilot and full self-driving. So just to simplify the the order process, we, we took that off, but anyone who, who asks for it can, can certainly uh, get it, and, and it really ends up being uh, a discount on on future capability. Um, but um, but to be clear, there's definitely no need to wait until Q2 to uh, order a car. Uh, it, it's, we want to make it just a completely seamless process, uh, so there's, there's no advantage to ordering now versus Q2. 
I have to say, I didn't even realize that people would even think to wait to buy their Tesla until they can get Autopilot 3 in the car. But I guess, you know, when I, again, step back, if you're not following every shred of Tesla news and information like I do, or or you folks kindly listening to this podcast do, I guess that, that would be the sort of default way to think about it, particularly as the automotive industry has trained us all to think. Uh, the other key item there is it sounds like if you ask for the full self-driving prepay off-menu, you can still get it, presumably for $3,000. I am... That was my interpretation of it. Please do not take that as uh, as gospel there. But um, bear that in mind regardless if when ordering if the full self-driving package is of interest to you. And the other thing there was, of course, navigate on autopilot. People had wondered how much control they'd have over it. And now we have our answer. At first, it's going to require you to approve the lane changes, but eventually, Elon tweeting uh, just tonight as I record, it'd be about 50 million miles worth of validation. You'll have the option to let the car do the lane changes on its own. Uh, I wonder you know, how long 50 million miles is, is going to take. I would think with the fleet being as big as it is now and growing a lot every day, it won't take too long. But uh, by the way, the Navigate on Autopilot rolling out tonight, starting tonight. So be uh, on the lookout for that that software notification update on your phone or in your car. Uh, one last thing, by the way, I wanted to bring up one last point on this topic. It would seem as though the Level 4 cross-country autonomous drive has fallen pretty completely off of Tesla's priority list as there was absolutely no mention of it on the conference call. And it, you know, it, it, it's come up, I think most conference calls for the last maybe year or so, which I understand, you know, it's only like four conference calls, but still, um, I mean, maybe it's been bumped back until they have the actual autopilot three Silicon perhaps that'd be my guess. And I would think that might make more sense. So, uh, we'll have to see about that. Maybe we'll get a chance to ask about that at some point in the future. Okay. Uh, Andre Carpathy next, the director of AI and Tesla's neural net. Let's see what he has to say in updating those aspects of Tesla. Uh, hi everyone, my name is uh, Andre Karpathy. I'm the director of AI here at Tesla. And my team trains all of the neural networks that analyze the images uh, streaming in from all of the cameras for the autopilot. Uh, for example, these neural networks identify cars, uh, lane lines, traffic signs, and so on. Uh, the team is incredibly excited about the upcoming upgrade for the autopilot computer, which Pete briefly talked about. Uh, this upgrade allows us to not just uh, run the current neural networks faster, but more importantly, it will allow us to deploy much larger, computationally more expensive networks to the fleet. Uh, the reason this is important is that it is a common finding in the industry, and uh, we see this as well, is that as you make the networks bigger by adding more neurons, the accuracy of all of their predictions increases with the added capacity. So in other words, we are currently at a place where we've trained large neural networks that work very well, but we are not able to deploy them uh, to the fleet due to computational constraints. So all of this will change with the next iteration of the hardware, and it's a massive step improvement in the compute capability, and the team is incredibly excited to get these networks out there. Great, thank you. Um, and I, I should, I've said this before, but I think, um, just talking a bit, a bit about the kind of longer-term future, um, we absolutely see the future as kind of, uh, as sort of a shared electric autonomy, um, so that uh, you'll be able to do, do ride-hailing or share your car in any way, um, you know, sort of uh, long-term model that's probably some combination of like 
Uber, Lyft, and Airbnb. In other words, there'll be Tesla dedicated cars for ride hailing, um, and there'll be uh, and any customer will be able to share their car at will, just like you'd share your house on an Airbnb. So it's a combination of those two models. Uh, I think is, is is pretty obviously where things are headed long term. The the advantage that Tesla will have is that we will have millions of cars in the field with full autonomy capability, and no one else will have that. Um, so I think that that puts us that will end up putting us in the strongest competitive position long term. It's always fun to hear Elon talk about the ride-sharing network. Uh, the Airbnb analogy seems like an apt one. I never really thought about it that way. It's probably just me. I'm sure all of you probably that was super obvious. I'd be curious how many of you out there are interested in participating in it when it launches. I admit, I'm, I personally, I am just too picky about my cars that I would not trust strangers in it, even when they're not driving and the car is. Uh, certainly to each their own, absolutely. It could be a good source of revenue for people while they're while you're at work. Your car can be working for you. But uh, I will say this, I am definitely going to use it as a customer when I'm traveling, on whether it's on business or if we happen to be on vacation. I'll want to be riding in nothing but Teslas wherever possible, because they are, I'm used to them. They are smooth riding. They are safe. Uh, absolutely, I'd want to use that. Next up, battery production. We got a question about cell supply from one of the financial analysts, and you have uh, J.B. Straubel chiming in on this with Elon Musk as well. So J.B. and Elon, take it away. Uh, J.B., you want to? <clears throat> sure, I, I can speak to that. This is J.B. Um we, we have had a period where the supply was, was fairly tight for Model 3, but it, it did not really constrain the Model 3 production in, in well, any significant like for way. for a week. Yeah, yeah, maybe for a few days. Yeah. Um, yeah, the impact was, was larger felt on the energy uh, products. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that still is somewhat tight, but we do, as we pointed out in previous you know, discussions, we do have third-party supplies of energy cells. So that production, you know, can continue um, even even independently of, of the Panasonic supply in Sparks. Um, so that's been very helpful. Um, and that is expanding in, in future quarters. Um, and also the Panasonic supply is expanding. You know, the, the productivity of existing lines is continuing to improve with a lot of hard work from the engineering teams and, and just operational stability. And we continue to bring online new production lines. So even just in the last uh, several weeks, we've started up, uh, you know, yet another produ cell production line with Panasonic and um, through the end of the year, there's another uh, another line coming on, and then one shortly after that. So there's a steady increase in the total supply um, that should keep us ahead of you know, even Model 3 growth and also should let us um, you know, have a larger percentage of energy supply be sourced from Giga locally. Yeah, we are making a pretty nutty amount of the world's uh, lithium-ion batteries. Um, and Martin, like, I think we're, what, 60% or something? Yeah, so at, at the moment, if you look at, uh, for example, for Q3, all electric vehicles made around the world, uh, their total battery capacity was about uh, 20 or 19 gigawatt hours. And we what we produced in Q3 was about the same or a little bit higher. Okay. So about half of the world's batteries, basically. Well, and is that uh, because we also source cells from Japan and, and, and elsewhere? Is that you talking about just a giga or? or? So, so uh, it, yeah, so just a giga itself is about 20, and on top of that, SNX is, um, I don't know, another four or five. Yeah. So, just a little context there for how big 
Gigafactory has gotten to be already in terms of their output. That is just wow. I mean, that's a wow right there. That is crazy how huge that is. Okay. Uh, there was a question from an analyst here about the mid-range battery, uh, about the mid-range now versus starting to send cars abroad to Europe. So uh, here is Elon speaking to that topic. Well, we're, we're trying to provide the most affordable um, electric car options that we can. Um, and since we, we, can't, we, we just don't have the ability to, to get to the $35,000 car right away, we thought, this might be a way to offer it as an intermediate step, um, and um, that, that's really that's really it. Um, you know, we expect to start um, producing a significant volume for Europe in January, um, and, and obviously take some time to, to ship. So uh, deliveries, you know, probably pretty, pretty significant deliveries in Europe, um, kind of in the late February March time frame, because uh, cars have to get all the way from California to a customer in Europe. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, the car, car only counts as delivered if it uh, reaches the end customer uh, and all the paperwork is completed correctly. So it, it's the highest possible standard for, uh, for, for considering a sale a sale. Um, yeah. And also to lay back inside um, delivering cars. Um, yeah. The, we we may or may not deliver cars in a packet in, in Q1, um, but certainly in Q2. It, it'll it'll be kind of borderline uh, as to whether a car is delivered in a pack by the end of Q1. Uh, so I can't say that for certain. They're definitely in Europe, um, but uh, and then definitely in a pack in Q2. Well, it looks like my theory about the mid-range battery—not uh, that it was any kind of deep, profound thought, admittedly was accurate. Also, there's a bit more for you in there on Europe and Asia Pacific, which by the way, that's what Elon meant by APAC, if you're curious, Asia Pacific region. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe most, if not all, of mainland Europe is left-hand drive, correct? Isn't it just the UK that's not, I think? So, um, I think. I'll have to look that up later. Anyway, uh, global production was the next topic at hand. Uh, an investor asked how much of production will be dedicated to Europe, and this got into a sort of what is the global demand of Model 3 question. Here's Elon speaking to that. Um, yeah, it's hard to predict with, with accuracy. Um, the, and there's also, you know, like the, the, all the tariff wars and everything. So, you know, long-term... Like you say, like without talking about like next quarter, so like what is uh, global likely global demand for Model Three? It's on probably on the order of anywhere from five hundred thousand to a million cars a year. Let's say good global demand for Model Three. Um, if you look at something like say the Three Series, bottom um, that's around half a million. Half a million the yeah. BMW Three Series is about half a million each, uh, a year mm -hmm. uh, globally. Um, and, and generally, we, we find that uh, we, we outcompete the, the BMW 3 Series um, quite well. So uh, we, it seems like logical, therefore, that we would long term have a higher uh, production, or higher demand. You know, maybe it's somewhere in between the kind of the, the BMW 3 Series and the Volkswagen Golf, which is about a million units a year. 
so yeah, that's why I say anywhere from 500,000 to a million units a year long term. And you have to add new lines to, to support that, or are you just going to continue to remove bottlenecks in the existing lines? No, we, we, we're definitely going to do uh, local production in China. We're moving rapidly on that. Um, so we're, we're aiming to, to have Model 3 production for the, for the China market or the greater China market uh, uh, active, certainly, next year. It's, it, will ha- it will be happening next year. Um, but it will be done in, with a, uh, a very, in a very capital-efficient manner, um, much more akin to uh, the way we did uh, General Assembly Line 4 versus General Assembly Line 3. Um, and then we'll also have a factory in, China, in, in Europe long-term because it's pretty silly to make cars in California and ship them all the way to Europe as far. Especially in high volumes. Yeah, exactly. Especially if it's a... I'm not talking about the SNX. I'm just talking about the three... So SNX will continue to be made in, in California, um, I think probably probably exclusively uh, here. Um, but for, for cars where we're trying to maximize affordability, it, it makes um, a lot of sense to produce those cars, at least on the continent, where they are, where they are consumed or bought. Yeah. Well, to me, the only real nugget of interest in that little clip was that the Model S and Model X will always, at least for the foreseeable future, be made at the mothership in Fremont. Model 3 and Model Y will be manufactured on multiple continents, which certainly dovetailed with a news item earlier this week that said that the Shanghai Gigafactory is set to make a combined 250,000 Model 3 and Model Ys per year once it spins up. I'm going to guess that the Roadster is going to get made in Fremont because it's going to be relatively low volume and Elon will be able to keep uh, kind of a closer eye on it, I think, uh, and Franz as well for that matter. So we'll see about that. But the Semi, that's the one. I know I've, I've mentioned this before, but the Semi, you know, when you when you think about it, that's going to be relatively low volume as well. In fact, probably even lower volume than the Roadster, at least in the, maybe in the beginning, but uh, maybe I'm not quite right on that. Anyway, it'll still be relatively low volume, but the the semi is going to just, by, by nature, take up so much space and need, remember, so many motors. It's a bunch of Model 3 motors, and it's the same battery cells, that I'm guessing that one is going to be made at Gigafactory 1 in Sparks, Nevada, because where are the Model 3 batteries and where are the Model 3 drivetrains made? At the Gigafactory. So it makes a ton of sense to build the semi-truck up there. We will probably find out the answer to that within the next year or so. Okay, well, it was inevitable that the $35,000 Model 3, the standard battery Model 3, was going to come up on this call. Sure enough, it did. And here is Elon uh, addressing that after an analyst brought it up. Well, it's likely to be at least as much demand in Europe as there are, is in North America. Like, that's a pretty safe bet. Um, but our, our, our goal really is to make electric cars that everyone can afford, not, not to, tr- to sort of mine high, you know, high option value cars. It's like, if we could, if we could produce a $35,000 car today, uh, we would do it. You know, we need more work. We need more work. There's more work to do before we can make a $35,000 car um, and have it be positive gross margin. Uh, not, you know, we're probably less than six months from that, but um, that, that's our mission. So I think this means that Europe will get the mid-range 
and the long range and the performance uh, Model 3s before the U.S. gets the standard range. Or maybe it'll end up being about the same time, but if it is about the same time, will orders for the standard range in Europe start in December as well, at the, at the same time that they do in the U.S.? If it does, like I said, that, that means the U.S. orders for standard range will start then too. Remember we were talking about how... Uh, European orders are probably going to start in December based on what we heard earlier in the call. So will will uh, the European orders be able to uh, be for standard battery or just for the, the other trims? That's going to be really interesting to see. Stay tuned for that, folks. The good news, it is happening. It, the $35,000 standard battery car is happening. To, to anyone who thinks that Tesla is quietly going to make the standard range battery disappear like it did the 40 kilowatt hour Model S back in the day, and of course, I'm speaking not about people listening to this podcast, but more about the shorts, the fudsters, etc. But that standard range battery is coming. They are, they are not going to try and make it go away. They've been talking way too much about it, and they're, they've promised it. There's a lot of people waiting for it. It will happen. So stay tuned for that soon. It is finally getting closer. Okay, Model Y was also bound to come up. It seems to be a popular topic. Comes up at least once per earnings call these days. And here is Elon speaking to it again with an interesting little nugget of news about that. Um, sure. I mean, maybe to, if, if it characterize that question, it would be like, um, you know, are we are we starving new vehicle development in order to achieve gap profitability and cash flow positive? Would that be an accurate? Is that what, what essentially like the answer is no. Um, so uh, we've um, made significant progress um, on the Model Y. Um, you know, and, uh, so in fact, I've. I approved the prototype to go into production uh, recently. You know, we saw it'll be 2020 before that's in volume production, but we made great progress there. Uh, we'll also continue to make progress on the semi uh, and the uh, the new Tesla Roadster. Um, and then, uh, actually, the product I'm personally most excited about is the Tesla pickup truck. So I think that's going to be some next level next level stuff there. Uh, and then not to, I, and I should not forget to mention the the solar tile roof. Um, we'll also start getting into buying production of the solar tile roof next year. Um, you know, that, that's quite a long development cycle for because anything that's a roof has got to last 30 years. So even if you do accelerate, uh, accelerate life testing as fast as possible, there's still minimum amount of time required to do that. Um, and there's a lot of engineering that goes into how do you put on the solar tile roof um, with uh, and, and not be really labor intensive in doing so. So there's a lot of engineering, not just in the tile, but in the way it's done. Um, and then we've got you know, continued improvements in Powerwall, Powerpack, other energy products. Um, I, mean, I think we've got the most exciting product roadmap of any company on earth by far. I'm not even sure, like probably twice. I, I don't even know who would have, a, which company would have a better product roadmap or, or even close. Yeah, maybe they do, but I don't know about them. And so here you go. The big uh, secret nugget of news buried inside this earnings call that Elon Musk has approved the Model Y prototype to go into production. So that means that the initial design is done. Uh, 
and they're building it. They are building one. Remember, the, so the Semi, just to review a history of Tesla prototypes, the Semi truck has two working prototypes that we know of. The Model 3 had two working prototypes that we know of, each with a different style of door handle, remember? Plus, uh, there was the rolling mule as well. Uh, the Roadster is one and one that we know of, one working, one non-working that we know of. So presumably, Tesla will make at least one working Model Y prototype and probably one rolling mule to start off with. Remember, Elon said that he's aiming for a March 2019 unveiling, so this would, at least seemingly without any grasp of how long it takes to hand-assemble a prototype and, and get it all tweaked how you want, but seemingly, you know, it's, it's uh, late October here. I would think that this timing would gel with a possible... March 2019 unveiling. Okay, ride sharing, the Tesla network, that came up as well, and Elon Musk had some interesting things to say about that. Um, but I do know for sure that Tesla will operate its own uh, ride hailing, ride, ride, you know, its own ride hailing service. Will compete directly with Uber and Lyft, obviously, um, and uh, you know, and, but then also have the ability for customers to. Uh, offer their car uh, and, and add, the, add or subtract their car to the fleet at will. So there'll be a company-owned fleet, and uh, and the company-owned fleet will just be where there aren't enough customer cars to be lent out. So if we, if we find, like, in a particular metro, there aren't enough customers who are willing to add their car to the shared fleet, then that's where we'll supplement it with a Tesla-owned fleet. Um, so that's why it's a sort of a combination of the Uber Lyft thing and Airbnb. And then we would charge, you know, something probably comparable to, yeah, to how they say the App Store works, where, I don't know, we charge 30% or something uh, in order for somebody to add the car to the fleet. I think that's, like, a pretty sensible way to go. Um, yeah. So we get a few more details about the Tesla network here, including Tesla's plan to supplement areas that don't have enough customer-supplied cars to satisfy demand. That is uh, interesting, I find. Also, I think the 70-30 revenue split that Elon mentioned uh, is the first time that that's ever been spoken to. I actually don't know what Uber and Lyft's cuts are uh, when you drive with them today, but I, I will say 70-30 is not unheard of in the, in the tech world and that it's actually pretty standard in the games business. If you're selling your game on Steam or on the Xbox Store or on the PlayStation Store, uh, it is a 70-30 cut. The, the platform holder gets a 30% share there. Now, I know that's apples and oranges, but I guess my point there is that the 70-30 figure is one that, that does exist in the tech industry already. So it's, it's somewhat normal, I guess, would be the, the way to say that. Okay, uh, just a super quick note here. Elon Musk, what's the top reason to refer a friend to buy a Tesla? Yeah, I mean, really, I think that, honestly, like the, the top reason to refer a friend to buy a Tesla is it's going to keep your friend safe. Well, that was a quick thing, and I have a quick response, and that is, that's a pretty good reason, really. It's hard to argue against that. All right, tax credit time. Elon was asked if the expiration of the tax credit is expected to materially affect production in any way. We don't expect this to result in... Uh, I mean, yes, the, the, 
the, the sales tax or the, the, the tax incentive in the, in the U.S. Uh, drops in half at the end of this quarter, but then we also start shipping to Europe and then start shipping to Asia. Um, and we certainly do not expect anything that would cause our production to drop below, let's say, a minimum of 5,000 cars a week. But in terms of in the United States, uh, do you expect that it will slow down uh, demand and sales within the U.S.? Um, I, I think that as we're able to offer lower-cost versions of the car, uh, that we would expect demand to sustain in the U.S. Um, but I want to be clear, like, it's not like we're holding back this lower-cost version of the car intentionally. Uh, just like with, like, the, the, we're just like, is there anything we can do to provide a lower-cost car now? And that's where we came up with the uh, depopulated long-range pack, just like basically taking, having, having a long-range pack with fewer cells. Uh, like, we really care about providing the end customer with the most affordable car that we would possibly produce, so that's viability. Um, and uh, if we could do the smaller pack now, we absolutely would. Um, it's just going to take us, I don't know, at least three months to get the production going, and then you go to spool up production, and that production's got to go to, you know, got to make the packs, the packs got to go to the vehicle factory, the cars are about to get delivered to customers. Mm -hmm. That's why you know customers probably see the smaller battery pack in, on the order of like you know March or something or February maybe, but something on that order. Um, okay. And thank um, you. You know, one thing uh, is, is, these do, these do trigger kind of like maybe points that are worth bearing in mind. Um, um, as uh, as our quarterly letter indicates, uh, the, the Model Three has the um, is, is the most efficient uh, energy per mile. Uh, electric vehicle out there. Uh, it's, got, it's got the best efficiency. Um, so we've got the um, best best in, in terms of miles or kilometers per per kilowatt hour, and we also have the lowest cost per kilowatt hour. This makes it very difficult for other companies to compete with Tesla because we have the most efficient car and the lowest cost batteries. So I, I do encourage our competitors to to, to really make a huge investment, and we've been saying that for a long time, uh, and, and then they're, they're only in this competitive disadvantage because they didn't, you know, we try to help them as much as we could, and they didn't, they didn't want to take our help, but we've, you know, we've, so they can use all our patents for free, we're happy, they, they can use our supercharger network if, if they can just have an adapter for our connector or something. We want to be as helpful as possible um, to the rest of the industry. Um, but um, the fact of the matter is we made the investment in the Gigafactory and other companies didn't, um, and we put a lot of effort into having extremely efficient uh, cars, uh, which the other, you know, having most efficient powertrains, and, and the other companies didn't. But, you know, I'm sure they will over time, but that's what has put us in quite a strong competitive, competitive position right now. Well, very, very, very matter-of-factly, Elon basically saying to the competition right there, we tried to warn you about what we were going to do, but you didn't listen. Now we've actually done it, and good luck catching us. So that was the uh, end of the conference call. My closing thoughts on this are, interestingly, I mean, if you if you pay really close attention <laughs> to these uh, conference call analysis shows that I do once a quarter, you'll notice that that wasn't quite as much 
as I typically pull out. And that's because this was a shorter, tighter, uh, more focused, very on-message earnings call from Tesla. I, I, it's probably the tightest and most focused earnings call that I've seen from them. Maybe that's part of a function of the SEC settlement, not not necessarily directly, but indirectly. Like, you know, Elon knows that the, the, the eyes of the, the law are on him effectively. So you notice that Elon didn't really indulge in any and every question that he typically does from the analyst, nor nor did he really give us the looks inside his brain for the, the long-term stuff the way that he usually does that makes headlines and gets Tesla enthusiasts excited. This was very on message, but, you know, also, I, want to say, I just want to add to, maybe that's just part of Tesla maturing as a sustainably profitable company. So the bottom line for this is this. Congratulations to every single person at Tesla on an absolutely amazing quarter, a wonderful achievement, profitability exceeding the expectations of, uh, of everyone in the financial world. It is just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I am not done with this podcast. There was more this week. I want to go to a segment that I jokingly named a week or so ago. I said, I should just call it the Musk Minute with, uh, with everything Elon's been up to on Twitter. So here's the Musk Minute, although it's certainly going to go on for longer than a minute. Here's some tweets and other tweets from Elon and other little bits of information. Uh, Elon, quote, to simplify production, many Tesla Model S and X interior configurations will no longer be available after November 1st. Order now to be sure of the one that you want. Well, I took a look to re refresh myself. There are five of them right now. You have white premium, which has a dark ash wood trim with dark headliner. You have black premium, figured ash wood with dark headliner. You have black premium with light headliner. That's figured ash wood with light headliner. Are you confused yet? There are, there are a lot. You have cream premium, which is an oak decor that comes in a light headliner. And then all of those can optionally have the carbon fiber trim swapped into them for a small price. And then finally, there is black textile, which is the uh, textile seats with a dark ash wood interior trim and dark headliner. So I do think textile is going to go away for a couple of reasons. Premium is standard now on every Model S and Model X. And the seats are all vegan. There is no leather. So there's effectively no real reason environmentally or like price option wise to have the black textile. So I suspect they will go down to three total, maybe even two, depending. I don't know how cream does, but it's possible they could get rid of cream. But I think we might be looking at black premium with the same wood decor, cream premium with that oak and white premium with probably the same uh, one of those two decors. I don't think they'll they'll mess with the third one. So probably that's my guess. Those three we'll find out in I guess a, a week from now. I'll know the answer to that. Be able to talk about it on next week's show. But it is. I think it'll be reasonable to surmise that really just whichever options do get cut are probably the ones that we're selling the least. So this uh, the next thing here. 
is uh, caused a, a bit of a, of a, I think, a headache just from what I could observe for Elon Musk on Twitter here on Friday evening. So the performance package, the $5,000 performance upgrade package on the Performance Model 3 has now been made standard, effectively saving you $5,000 if you order that. So uh, that caused quite a fury from some folks in the community. A lot of people, uh, some people, not really not happy with that. And to the point where Elon was having to say, we'll make it right. We'll give you the, we'll give the, the early P3D Plus owners the option to take a $5,000 refund or turn off your free unlimited lifetime supercharging because that's the perk that the, the early P3D Plus owners got. And to, at, by the end of this, <laughs> Elon said that he is logging off of Twitter for a few days. Like that's clearly, I mean, again, I am reading into that, but it would seem to me that he thought he was doing a good thing here. Uh, and ultimately he was with, with lowering the price of the P3D, at least the P3D plus by $5,000. But it, he, I think he just wasn't anticipating that blowback from people. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not that bothered by it, I have to say, for a couple of reasons. Some, a couple of things I thought about right away, and there are a couple of things I have to say that were pointed out to me on Twitter that I, I hadn't really processed. Number one, those of us that purchased the P3D Plus early on did get the free unlimited lifetime supercharging. And though, the other thing, we're, we got our uh, full federal tax credit. That is a thing that, that we, that's a perk we got that's, that's worth a lot of money right there. So there's that. And then I guess ultimately the way I look at this at the end of the day is would I go back in time and postpone my order until now, October 26th, 2018, which would deliver my car maybe if I caught a lucky break because I live close to the factory by December 31st, if not, you know, half tax credit in January. No, the answer is no. I, I wouldn't trade my situation. I, I got lucky and, uh, the, the car that I ordered was $6,000, actually $6,500 more expensive when I ordered it. When, remember, you know, I talked all about how just, over the moon I was about how just crazy it was that the price went down and the car got better between the time when I ordered it and the time that I took delivery. So, you know, I already feel like I've been blessed with this car where, you know, I, I had ordered it at one price and it came in way less and with more stuff, the, the, the aluminum pedals, the red brake calipers, the bigger brakes, all that stuff. So I also got the free, I, by getting in when I did, I got the free lifetime premium connectivity, so I don't ever have to pay for the the internet functionality in the car. Uh, I again, I got the free unlimited lifetime supercharging, so I feel very fortunate. And by the way, I've been enjoying this car for uh, the last three months now, and I'm so blessed to have that to to be lucky enough to have it in my life and to be, to be driving it and enjoying it. And it's keeping me, you know, it's the safest car on the road. So, um, I, I get where if you just 
took delivery yesterday, it's a little bit of a different story than, than me who took delivery three months ago. So there's a line, right? There's definitely an, and certain, and I don't begrudge anyone who is upset about it necessarily, as long as you express yourself to Tesla in a, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go ranting about it on Twitter. I would, I would send them, I would reach out privately, uh, to, you know, to, to the company and, to sales reps, to you know, use your Escalate feedback to executive team and your My Tesla. You know there are, there are professional and, and kind ways to do that, but uh, you know at, at, at the end of the day, now the the P3D is. By the way, you can't you can't at least as of recording this, things do change fluidly and quickly, as we know with the design studio. But you can't order a performance model three with the 18 inch wheels anymore. You have to get it with the twenties that has the bigger brakes and the red calipers. Uh, so to, to some people that will actually be, uh, bad news because they don't want the lower efficiency and higher tire cost replacement that the 20 inch tires bring. But, uh, for others still, you're, you're getting, yeah, you're getting some, some cool stuff at no, you know, at just bundled in now with that $64,000, base price on the P3D. So, uh, if you are remotely interested in the P3D, you, uh, I don't want to sound salesman here, but this could change back. Like there, there was some blowback here. I mean, they, they could, I don't know if they would revert it, but if you might want to look at this quickly, if you do want to jump on a performance model three, and again, I'll, uh, I'll kindly ask that you consider using my referral code, uh, if you do so, because I'm I'm inching ever closer to uh, to the roadster. Long way to go, but but inching closer. And then the other P3 note that is of uh, good. It's good news for anyone that's purchased a Performance Model Three of any variety of any variant. Is that the uh, track mode is not only, of course, still on its way. Hopefully, fairly soon. But it is coming to all performance cars, not just the P3D Plus, so that is excellent news there. Global news. Here's some great news. I know I've got a number, plenty of listeners in Australia, and I have wonderful news for you guys, at least a a reaffirmation here, Elon tweeting this week, that the Model 3 will be available in Australia in mid-2019. So you guys are hopefully down to about eight months to go or so until you can start getting your cars uh, which hopefully that also would mean that those are right-hand drive cars. So hopefully that means the uh, UK folks would see their cars no later than around that time as well. Elon mentioning as well, two-factor authentication is on its way for your Tesla account to help uh, add a little extra layer of security for your car. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, software 9.0 with Navigate on Autopilot is rolling out now, so check your app, check your car. It's going to be pushed to you here, in, if it hasn't already, in the coming days or maybe I would think a week at the most. So excellent news there. Can't wait to start checking that out. Hopefully, I'll, if I'm lucky enough to get it this week, I'll have some impressions of it on next week's show. A Twitter user wrote to Elon saying, how about a nudge mode when in auto steer to allow the driver to dodge potholes? maybe use the scroll wheels together. And Elon's saying, good idea. So I thought about this and it's like, in theory, this sounds cool, but how would the car know which way to nudge? Maybe we would default one way, like say to the right, unless it happens to sense another car there. But you know, what if there were cars on both sides? 
Maybe you just have to take over manually in that scenario. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this and I'm missing a super obvious thing. Call in or write me if I am. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, Elon liking the idea of autopilot, autopilot being able to nudge its way uh, out of the way of a pothole. He also noted that you'll soon be able to rearrange your favorites in the media player, for those of you a little frustrated by that. Also, leaderboards on the way for the Atari games. That'll be fun. So you can challenge your friends, see what they're up to. Someone on Twitter wrote, Can you put a dog mode on the Model 3 where the music plays and the AC is on with a display on the screen saying, I'm fine, my owner will be right back? And Elon replying simply, Yes. As a dog owner, I happen to find that to be an excellent idea. I would love to see that. I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I, I haven't, I don't think I've left Daisy in the car for any reason yet, but still, that's great. I love that. And because, of course, specific to Tesla, you can have the dog in the car with the windows uh, up or mostly up with the AC on, and there's, you know, you're, it's not like a regular gas car where obviously the car is, is off uh, and can't blow that AC with the, to, to cool down the doggy. Finally, this is not an Elon tweet, but a uh, quick note that not only is Navigate on Autopilot being pushed out now, but in version 2018.42 of the Model 3 software specifically, the strength of regenerative braking has been turned up, which I, uh, I, I applaud that actually. I, I have to say, I was, I've, been pretty, I've been totally cool with it in my dual motor car, but I like regen. I, I wouldn't mind a little more. If you remember, if you've been listening for a while, way back to my very first drive in the Model 3 back in November, early November was that episode, I did note then that the rear-wheel drive Model 3's regenerative braking felt a lot weaker than what I had been used to when driving friends' S's or X's. So uh, the dual-motor car feels like it's got a little more regen than the, than the rear-wheel drive Model 3, but regardless now, this will this is probably going to benefit the rear-wheel drive Model 3 owners the most, I would think, because I would think they should probably see the most uh, change here, but presumably we'll all notice it. I should, uh, again, if I'm fortunate enough to get that software pushed to me this week, I will be able to let you know what I think of it come next week. All right, it's been a long show already, but there have been so many great calls this week that I don't want to skip the hotline like I usually do on uh, on these earnings call shows. So let's power through them. I've got a ton of great calls lined up. I'll get to those for you right after this. All right, Ride the Lightning Hotline time. Your time to shine. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. Call me. The way to do that, there are two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record a question, please try to keep it to 60 to 90 seconds tops, email that question to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a message anytime, toll-free, ride the lightning hotline. That number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA, if that helps you remember it a little more easily. And by the way, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you want to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Let's go to Eric Martin in Chicago, 
who uh, has a mirror tip for everybody now that version 9 has been rolled out. So, Eric, please uh, enlighten me here. Hi, Ryan. This is Eric Martin from Chicago, also known as at SoundAnswer on Twitter and social media. Last week, uh, I listened to the show while on a road trip from Chicago to Detroit. I had to suppress the urge to troll GM Tower driving around it in my Model 3 while I was there. Um, on my over 600-mile road trip, I had the opportunity to tweak how I had my mirrors adjusted to make the best use of the blind spot monitoring in version 9. I discovered a sweet spot where I could see the cars behind me up to a certain point, and as they crossed the threshold, disappearing from the mirror, they moved directly into the on-screen rendering on the Model 3 display. It's actually a really cool blending of reality and the virtual rendering of the cars in the display that's actually quite useful. It's a bit of an adjustment to how I drive, but I'm getting used to checking the blind spot on screen in addition to my usual defensive safe driver blind spot checks I've done for years driving. Uh, it's actually super helpful and has saved me a couple times from going to signal when I could get the data quicker from the screen rather than a full turn of the head with you know my eyes off the road in front of me. Um, I know there have been some like you know emotions about how version nine removes the ability to throw the rear view camera. Uh, to the top of the SNX screen, and I can certainly understand removing a feature people use from software isn't a great idea. But um, the time I've spent driving an Autopilot 1 Model X, I appreciated the always-on rear-view camera as a feature. However, uh, whenever I've popped it in on my Model 3, my passengers, wife, mother-in-law, etc., usually let out a... Um, you know, uh, in, in the main, I think that seeing that much data with the road flying the wrong way and all the noise behind you, and especially at night with headlights, the rear view camera used for blind spot monitoring isn't as calm and distinct as the autopilot renderings of the cars can become. Uh, it's a shift for sure, but if you're upset about it, try tweaking your mirror settings like I did, and you might find that using the existing blind spot monitoring in autopilot 2 cars is really great. And you know, honestly, if I was 12 years old again and somebody said, wouldn't it be cool if there was a screen in your car which showed where all the cars are on the road behind you, I would have been totally stoked. And I also would have thought that no reality outside of James Bond or Star Wars would we ever see such a thing. But instead, we got it in our cars today, and it's only going to get better with the updates. So cheers, Ryan and Daisy. Have a good one. Thank you so much, Eric. This is a really good suggestion now that more autopilot cameras have been turned on. Now, the caveat for everybody here just would be to remind everybody that the on-screen renders on your screen aren't always completely accurate, particularly in 9.0, though they're, they're, I say that I emphasize that because they're no doubt going to get better in future versions. So proceed with cautions on, uh, caution on this, pardon me. Still, uh, this is really helpful, and I'll bet a number of folks out there are going to want to give it a try to help make their Tesla even safer than it already is. Thanks again, Eric, for that. Let's go next to Greg in Fort Wayne, Indiana, with another helpful tip. Hey, Ryan, this is Greg from Fort Wayne, Indiana. For correcting speed limits signs on Autopilot 2, um, after passing a speed limit sign, I have pressed and held the right scroll wheel and stated, bug report, the speed limit should be 55 here. And then I've had good luck with this, and a couple weeks later I drove the same stretch of road again, and um, the speed limit was then corrected. Keep up the good work. Greg, thank you so much for that, and I have to say, I've already taken your advice and used that a couple of times this week to report. Uh, there's one spot where I tend to get uh, an almost repeatable false 
crash warning and then a spot where I get or I have the wrong speed limit. I used it there too, per your suggestion. So thank you so much and yay Tesla uh, for the, the people at Tesla listening to those and making those corrections. I love that. Let's go next to Mark in Chicago needs some buying advice. Hopefully I can help him out with that and maybe it will help some of you out there as well. Mark in Chicago, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Mark from Chicago. I'm currently driving my 2013 Model S that I got last year as a CPO. Um, With this new mid-range that came out yesterday, I think now, um, I'm trying to figure out if I should trade in my car for a mid-range Model 3. It would be on par price-wise. I just happen to like the styling of the Model S a lot, the dash appearance. Um, and the interior comforts, I guess. I don't currently have autopilot. Um, there's a huge number of benefits to having the Model 3, uh, including faster supercharging. I get about the same amount of range. Um, and I just kind of want to know your thoughts. I know you're, you lean Model 3, but I was hoping to have uh, uh, try to figure out a balance of what, what I should try to do here. So, um I would, wouldn't mind if you'd let me know your thoughts and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. A uh, quick apology here at first. Uh, sorry, folks. I think I misspoke in the lead-in to this. I think I said that Mark was needing CPO purchasing advice. Mark has a CPO Model S, as you heard, and is wondering about whether or not to trade it in. So sorry about that. That was uh, bad notes on my part. Anyway, uh, Mark, this is a tough one without knowing any financial information, though I'm certain I'm not asking you for any because it's none of my business. So let's just look at it in a vacuum. Uh, you would not only be gaining Autopilot 2.5 hardware by upgrading, but you'd also be gaining the future upgrade paths that come with that, such as navigate on Autopilot right now, this week, and then at some point down the way, the full self-driving option as well. Uh, in the vacuum, Autopilot, I think, is definitely your primary reason to upgrade, in my opinion. The big thing you'd be sacrificing going from S to 3 is cargo capacity. The Model S has a lot more, obviously, particularly, by the way, if your Model S is a rear-wheel drive Model S, because those have larger frunks than the dual-motor Model S's do. So if you try to make this as objective as possible, I think it comes down primarily to autopilot, both present and future, versus cargo capacity. I wish you the best of luck in your decision, whichever way you decide to go. But the good news is that whichever way you do decide to go, you've made a good decision. S versus three is a no-lose proposition for you. So thanks, Mark, for calling in. I hope I can at least give you some food for thought there to help you uh, be more confident in whatever you decide. Andrew from Florida is up next and wants to talk about the removal of the full self-driving prepay option from the design studio. Andrew, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Andrew from New Smyrna Beach, Florida, long-time listener, long-time caller. Um, this is a follow-up, actually, to a tweet that I tagged you in, um, which, of course, brought out all the fudsters, which normally I'm not a fan of, but, hey, if it gets attention to this issue, I think, well, maybe the means uh, justify the ends there, Machiavellian. So the issue in question is uh, probably related to a new story I'm guessing you've been talking about in today's episode, which is the fact that Tesla has taken off uh, full self-driving uh, from 
the available options for new SX and Model 3s, which I think is a smart move because they've been under scrutiny, understandably, for the fact that you no know, full self-drive doesn't look like it's going to be available anytime soon. Why sell a feature that you don't have available? You know, normal car manufacturers would never do that. So my issue is that I bought my Model X as a lease, three-year lease, in June of 2017, last year, and I'll be handing it back in June of 19, uh, if not sooner. That's a whole other story. Um, I'm not going to keep it past the lease, and I don't think I'm ever going to get full self-drive, even though I paid for it, because it's not going to happen in the next couple of years. We're ways away. So if they're no longer going to sell it, and they've acknowledged that it's not, not going to be available anytime soon, what about the thousands of us that have paid full price for this? and either have never gotten it because we already got rid of our cars or never will because we won't be keeping our cars beyond the lease period or whatever it may be. So, uh, again, I'm a big believer in the mission. I support Tesla, but not blindly. And while some people are probably hating on me now and thinking, oh, you're going to take away money from Elon and this is the mission. It's so important. Save the planet. Yeah. Okay, sure. Fine. But at the same time, I am a person that has to live my life and be able to afford things. And these cars are expensive as hell. $120,000 is what I paid for this car, more than every car in my life. And I'm sorry, but there has to be a level of fairness and corporate responsibility here. And that includes Tesla. And I think they need to uh, refund every single cent for these cases, uh, including my case. Um, and I would like to hear what you have to think about, what you have to say about this. And as you often do have the ear of Elon, maybe you can have discussion with them about this because Tesla needs to do the right thing and they are not doing it so far. Thanks, Ryan. Keep up great work. I appreciate your call, Andrew. And yes, I certainly recall our Twitter conversation about this. I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I think you're being quite reasonable. Was there language in the design studio about full self-driving being subject to regulatory approval and this and that in order to probably cover the company's backside from a legal perspective? Yeah, there probably was, though I can't check now since it's gone. Uh, well, actually, you can still do the upgrade from inside your My Tesla account. So here is the entire verbiage from that page. Quote, adding this option today means you will be one of the first to experience full self-driving when it becomes available in the future. This functionality is dependent upon extensive software validation and regulatory approval. It is not possible to know exactly when it will be available, as this is highly dependent on local regulatory approval, which may vary widely by jurisdiction, end quote. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know if that covers them from potential lawsuits, but I do agree with you that, uh, you know, they should do right by customers who are ending their leases or, or otherwise selling their cars. You know, Tesla has, in my opinion, done the right thing more often than not. And as you said, there are thousands of people who've paid that $3,000 with nothing to show for it and, and just nothing on the immediate horizon. It's, it's a tough spot for them, to be sure. I mean, it was, you know, there was no guarantee of anything timeline-wise, but I do feel for you. And I, I hope that they figure out a way to do right by their most optimistic customers who were optimistic enough to purchase that option. Thanks so much for your thoughtful and detailed call. Let's go next to Brian in Northeast Pennsylvania, who has an update uh, about a topic uh, we've been talking about recently, reading speed limits with the autopilot cameras. Brian, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Brian from Pennsylvania, Northeast Pennsylvania. Took a uh, test drive today. My partner and I should never driven one before. Test drive on a Model 3 performance model. And the, uh, the host that we were with, he told us that 
the car is able to read speed limit signs now, and that is new with the version 9 software. I know uh, last week you had a caller who said, no, it does not, and I know there's confusion on this, so I think maybe you have some uh, detective work to do and see if you can uh, figure out what's right and what's not right and who, uh, what, what the truth of the matter is. Any uh, light you can shed upon this would be great. Thanks again. Brian, I hope you enjoyed your test drive. So that what you're talking about wasn't mentioned during the autopilot and neural net portion of the analyst call this week, as you heard earlier in this podcast. Also, the roads near San Francisco that I drive on that have this problem still have this problem, even after version 9. So with those two sort of data points, I guess, I suppose I'm inclined to think that that sales advisor that you rode with may have been maybe unintentionally misinformed about it. But I'm also definitely not 100% certain about <laughs> about my doubt there, to be fair. So if it is there, great. But if not, hopefully it will be in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, Brian. Zachary from, uh, actually, we're staying in Pennsylvania, from Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, is coming up next. Uh, Zachary, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Zachary calling from the Lehigh Valley area of Pennsylvania. Uh, love your podcast, although I'm pretty new to it. I am taking delivery on my Model 3 um, next week, October 27th, so I'm very excited about that. And I will also tell you that your podcast came recommended from the sales staff at the King of Prussia Mall store uh, outside of Philly, um, which is where I found out about you and started listening to you. So great job. My question is, and forgive me if you've addressed this before, um, like I said, I'm new here, but um, what what's the opinion on car washing for the Tesla? So I've seen on the forums lots of back and forth bantering as far as, you know, never use an automatic wash because it's bad for the car. It could be bad for paint swirling. Um, a lot of people saying using the two bucket method, um, hand washing is the way to go. And then other people just saying, listen, it's a car, um, take care of it, but there's nothing wrong with the automatic wash. I just wanted to see what your take was on this uh, very hot topic and, and highly debated topic. So anyway, thank you. Take care. Love your show. Hey, Zachary, welcome to the podcast. And I am so flattered that you not only gave this podcast a try, but that the sales team at your store recommended it. Thank you, King of Prussia team. Shout out to you guys and gals. That's awesome. That, that genuinely made my day. When I, when I listen to that phone call. That is awesome. Now, to your question, Zachary. I say this from time to time, but it's the first time you're hearing it. And that is certain topics are ones that I have absolutely no problem covering again if it's been long enough, specifically because they're relevant to new listeners. Detailing is one of those topics. Now, in short, there are a million approaches to detailing, not a, and many correct ones. There's not one right one and a bunch of wrong ones. Uh, even the professionals will differ in their methods. What I can tell you is that my detailer, who I have grown to trust very much, is very against the automatic car washes. He is a two-bucket method person, 
And so that's what I've been doing with my car. And I've found it to be, uh, I have to say, it's fairly easy, fairly straightforward. And most of all, I'm having a lot of fun washing my car and I'm doing it in a way that's protecting the finish and the, uh, the paint protection film. So you can look up the two bucket method instructional videos on YouTube if you're curious. There are a million of them. Uh, all, and just lastly, all the best to you and congratulations on your imminent delivery, which in fact, for per your call, uh, should have happened by the time you hear this. So congrats. Quinn from Salt Lake City is next. He uh, got himself a Performance Model 3 and wanted to talk about a particular little issue with that car. So Quinn, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Quinn Nelson from Salt Lake City calling. I'm a big fan of the show, much like yourself, and a Model 3 performance owner. I took delivery about a month ago now, and it has been superb. I actually just got back from a trip to L.A., and the whole way I'm back, it was wonderful. Now, I did have a few problems at delivery that I noted with my delivery advisor, and I set up a service appointment to get a few of those issues addressed. It was mostly cosmetic problems. While I was there, I mentioned pretty casually that about every five to ten minutes when supercharging, a really spooky and very loud thud comes from the front trunk area of my car. Now, I've read for many months that spooky noises while supercharging is pretty common, especially because of the heat increase that, you know, the cars incur when charging. It can flex body panels and stuff like that. But this isn't a kind of aluminum ping that a lot of other people were reporting. It's, it's a really loud thud. And I went with a technician at the service center to a supercharger. We listened together, and he agreed that the sounds in my car were distinct from the other sounds. The weird thing is now, though, they're a little confused because there isn't really anything in the front trunk area that should be making a noise like that. You've got the steering column, an AC compressor, a radiator. That's about it. It's actually so confusing to them that they've elevated it to Tesla engineering. And I just wanted to know if you or any of your listeners have heard of this happening with other Tesla vehicles in general, but especially Model 3. It's a little odd. I'm a little worried <laughs> and hope that it's not that big of an issue because it's something that I just you know, dropped casually and now it's this big whole ordeal. Anyway, great show. Keep up the fantastic work and I'll stay listening. Quinn, thank you for the call, and congratulations on your performance Model 3. So, I can tell you that this happens to me while supercharging as well. It's it's a thud, or maybe a clunk. One of those two is the, the best way to describe it, but from the way you describe it, I don't think mine is nearly as loud as yours. So, I guess what I would say is, I mean, I certainly don't have the answer to this, because, I mean, if Tesla doesn't have the answer and they're escalating it to the engineering team, I definitely don't have the answer. So the reason I play your call is to not only see, you know, maybe there's some other P3D owners out there in the same boat, but uh, I would love for you to call back or email me once Tesla gets back to you with some sort of diagnosis on this, because now I'm very curious too, and I'm happy to pass along any information that you learn to the Ride the Lightning audience. So thanks for calling in with that, Quinn. We've got Matt from Florida is up next. Matt is a new listener. Let's hear from him. Hi, Ryan. This is Matt. I'm calling from Wikiwachi, Florida. Uh, and I was just calling because uh, I was interested um, in your show. Uh, I've only been listening for about two weeks now. Um, I've always been intrigued by Tesla, but never really seriously considered buying a Tesla um, until recently. Uh, mainly because the Model S and X were out of the price range uh, for most people, I think. 
Um, but with the Model 3, it uh, became more attainable. Um, I have been considering it, but I didn't really, it wasn't really the right time for us, but somehow I was able to talk my wife into it. I think she was kind of on the same uh, level as your wife uh, was uh, listening to a previous podcast. Um, you know, but with the safety of the Model 3 and the $7,500 tax credit, uh, I was able to talk her into it. Um, but I just wanted to share a few thoughts about uh, my ordering experience. Um, I actually ordered uh, approximately a week ago on the deadline for the $7,500 tax credit. Um, and I got contacted from Tesla within maybe about three days uh, with a delivery uh, date of November 14th, which I just thought was really fast. It's, you know, technically less than a month. Uh, from the time I ordered it. Um, so I was excited about that. Uh, and then I was a little bummed because after I ordered it, the price for the Model 3 I, uh, dual range, uh, or I'm sorry, dual motor long long range uh, had dropped by a thousand bucks. So I contacted uh, Tesla and was very um, surprised to find out that uh, they were going to honor that. And they had no issues, didn't they said, absolutely, we'll honor the $1,000 price drop, and it already reflects in my account. So I'm um, looking forward to getting my uh, Model 3. Uh, very good show. You do a great job, you know, uh, covering all the aspects of Tesla. Um, and I did use your referral code, so I'm looking forward to when you take your road trip down to Florida in the Roadster. Uh, maybe I'll uh, give everybody a ride in it. All right. Thanks very much. Well, congratulations, Matt, and thank you sincerely for using my referral code. I'm so glad you have a delivery date already, and hey, in November, no less. That should give you plenty of peace of mind that you are almost definitely going to get that full federal tax credit, even if you suffered a delay of a week or two in terms of your delivery date. Uh, And yes, uh, should that roadster dream of mine come true that you guys are helping, helping get me closer to, Oh, I will indeed be heading down to Florida. I'm not joking about any of this. It would be it would be fun. It would not be it would be such a fun. I've never driven across the country, and I've only ever been to Florida once on a family trip to Disney World, which was over 20 years ago. So I would love an excuse to go back. Uh, and one more thing, since by your own admission you are pretty new to the Tesla verse. I'll be curious to hear your impressions of your car after you take delivery. And by the way, don't hesitate to email me anytime with questions. Consider me a resource, everybody out there. Consider me a resource. I'm here for you guys. You guys know I love talking about this stuff. In fact, Matt, you are such a new listener that you may not have heard me talk about a thing that may be of use to you that that came up recently. Another listener has suggested that I do a kind of beginner's guide to Tesla episode. I thought I think it's a wonderful idea and my my intention is to do that very soon. I just have to sit find, find some time to sit down, make a strong outline of the topics I want to cover and then sit down and record it and get it out there. So, uh once I can get that done, hopefully you will check it out and find some of the information there to be of use to you. All right, one last call this week. The honor goes to Joel from Atlanta who's very much been enjoying his Model 3, uh, with the amount of driving he'll tell you about here in a second, and wants to talk tires. So, Joel, you're on the air. 
Hi Ryan, this is Joel from Atlanta. I have two questions for you. One is, after five months, I already have over 12,000 miles on my car, so I'm starting to think about what I'm gonna do for new tires. Hopefully I'll get a little longer out of them though. Um, and I know you don't have to go through Tesla, obviously, to get tires, but do you need to get the tires that are specific to this car? Do you have to get the Tesla tires that have the sound deadening material in there, or can you put a regular tire on them from a regular tire shop um, with maybe a longer warranty? Will they last longer? I just don't know exactly what I have to do to replace these. And my second question is, um, I have a 32 gigabyte flash drive, and I'm having the same problem that you mentioned last week, which is that after it fills up, instead of overwriting uh, what's on there, it just stops working. There's a little gray X on it, and then I have to reformat it to start over. And I'm wondering if you've heard anything about how to uh, resolve this or if this is something we're going to have to keep doing every time it fills up. Thanks so much. Thanks for your call, Joel. So by now you've heard the uh, temporary solution from your fellow Atlantan, Jonathan, earlier in the show about the USB drive. As I said, it works. I've been doing it myself. And that solution should only be temporary as Tesla is almost certain to resolve this in a software update soon. As for the tires, uh, you can put any tires you want on there. It's your car. You can put any tires you want on. But uh, any tire shop should be able to get you the Tesla-specific variants with that sound-deadening foam in it. In fact, I'm not sure if you heard me. I think it was at the end of a recent episode. I think I talked about this uh, on the podcast about my tire ordeal and, and how... Tesla San Francisco told me that they don't offer road hazard protection warranties. And they told me, uh, after I specifically asked, they told me that I could order the tires, the exact tires, from a tire rack or someone like that with the road hazard coverage, because people like Tire Rack does offer it, uh, and just have those, those road hazard warrantied tires shipped to the service center for Tesla to install on my car. So, You've got some options. That's the good news there. All right. Thanks, everybody, for the wonderful calls, as always, in the Ride the Lightning hotline. I encourage you to keep them coming. Either uh, record something on your phone and email me the question in e via email. It's uh, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Again, 60 to 90 seconds is ideal. Or you can call and leave a message. Toll-free, Ride the Lightning hotline. That number, of course, is one 989 8752. Be right back to wrap things up for you on a very, very busy Ride the Lightning episode right after this. All right, winding things down, just a couple of notes for you in the spirit of adventure portion of the podcast. So I was autopilot. This is just a cool moment that I, I have to share. You got to picture this just a little theater of the mind here. It's radio. So this, but this actually happened, I swear. I was autopiloting down the freeway in the middle lane, and I came upon a Model 3 on my right-hand side. So right as I did, I was just kind of, and I, you know, I'm just kind of creeping up because I'm set to autopilot. Couldn't tell if they were or not, but I'm, I come up, and I, I kid you not, right as I got to that car, another Model 3 in the left lane had come up on me and for just the perfect moment, all three Model 3s were all in a row, side by side on the freeway. I was in autopilot, so I, I pointed with both, both fingers. I looked over. Unfortunately, neither one of them were paying attention to me because I tried to give them both thumbs up. Both people were looking straight forward 
which it was it was just getting to nighttime, so that was probably for the best on their part. But it was just, I wish I could have had a photograph or a video of that moment. It was just such a cool thing. Three threes all in a row uh, down the freeway. So that was that was super cool. And then just a couple other things. I I have a couple of uh, Model 3, I guess, tips for you, sort of little shortcuts, life hacks, Easter eggs. I don't know quite what you want to call them. And pardon me if you if this is already obvious and everybody knows this, but did you know that you can just push the button on a supercharging cable uh, when, you, when you go to supercharge? If you just push the button that's on top of the cord in your hand, that will open your charge port door. I And this, this works, by the way, on every Tesla, not just a Model 3. And the only reason I bring this up, because I thought that was a known thing, but when I was at the supercharger uh, last weekend... I saw a guy use his Tesla app to open his car's charge port, uh, and then he plugged in the cable. So I, I thought, well, maybe everybody doesn't know that. So just wanted to pass that tip along. That's a little supercharging shortcut. Or if you have the, uh, I guess any of the, ch- the Tesla charging cables will do that too. So uh, whether you're at home or supercharging. On a similar note for Model 3, just want to make sure everybody knows this little tidbit as well. Uh, I met a person who, who didn't know about this. This again, this is why I bring this up. If you just do a light press, just a gentle press on the turn signal in either direction, it will just do three blinks and then turn itself off. So it's perfect for lane changes. Whereas if you press it all the way down, the turn signal will of course stay on. But if you just do a tap, it'll do blink, 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 and then turn off. So just in case anybody didn't know that, that's a, a fun little quality of life thing. And then one other thing I noticed, maybe you guys have noticed this as well, but just one more of these. I happen to notice that the rear air vents that, that pump out of the center, the back of the center console into the back seat, it turns on or off automatically based on whether or not it detects someone in the seat. So when my daughter's in the car and I turn my HVAC on and I look at the, the screen, I see that the, the button for rear, rear air is on. And if I turn that on with nobody in the back seat, that's not on. So it's being efficient there. It's not cooling a back seat if there's no one in it. So I just thought that was a really cool little thing that I, that I, that I happen to pick up on. And I don't know if everybody else, again, pardon me on all these, if these are super obvious to everyone and I'm just now, you know, and I'm just repeating things everybody knows, but, uh, just fun stuff in your Tesla. All right. It is time to go. It's been a long show. Hopefully you you enjoyed this one. Again, these, these, uh, Earnings call shows are the toughest, not that I want to say, these, I put the most work into these, the most time, the most energy, but I really, I think I just love them the most because I, I, I just, it really feels like a real radio show when I've got all these clips from Elon and this executive and that, and that person, I, I just, and all the callers in there as well this week, it just makes it feel great. I love it. So um, if you do enjoy the podcast and you are ordering any Tesla, any new Tesla soon. I just, I want to be careful. Like I've mentioned it a couple times and I've been mentioning it. I don't want to bludgeon you over the head with the referral code thing, but here's the thing. Thanks to you guys, the Roadster dream, the impossible dream, it's getting closer. Like it's, it's getting to the point where it, it could, it might possibly actually happen. So it's just like, 
I, I just implore you if, you, if you are ordering, please use my referral code. You will get, of course, your six months of free unlimited supercharging and I will get one step closer. It's a long hill. It's a, it's a tall mountain to climb to get to 55 total referrals. But I will tell all of you right now that as of me recording this, I'm sitting on 39, 39 referrals. So it's, it's getting there. If, uh, so if you're, just, if you're ordering a Tesla or if, if anybody in your life is ordering a Tesla, whether that's you know, a, a friend, a family member, or what have you, coworker, uh, please give, please try to get my referral code used. I would be eternally grateful. And again, I will take it across the country and I will come visit you and give you rides. I mean, it's, I'm not joking about that. It would be super fun. So it's the dream is inching closer, still a long way to go, but it's getting there. So my referral code, and I'll, I'll be quiet about this for today. (laughs) It's, uh, you can order online. It's just go to type in, in a web browser, ts.la slash Ryan seven three zero one four, or if you're speaking to a sales advisor, or if you just ordered but didn't put a code on and you want to get it on there, uh, email referral program at tesla.com with your name and info, with my name and my referral code. You can just give them Ryan seven three zero one four. So that's that. Uh, the Patreon is up there if you'd like to support my efforts that way. I, I certainly very much appreciate that because that's what really keeps this thing going. Uh, you can find more information about that at patreon.com slash Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. That's my Instagram. Same thing there as well. The email address I've already mentioned a couple times, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Abstract Ocean hopefully is getting all the goodies back in stock. The T-E-S-L-A lettering, I've been seeing that out in the wild more and more to put on the back of your Model 3. Uh, It looks really good, especially if you, I think, in my opinion, if you take the T-badge off of the rear trunk lid and just have the T-E-S-L-A like the Roadster does, that, I think, is what looks Super, super cool. So uh, you can get that from abstractocean.com. You can get the, the lighting kits, the puddle lights with the, the shine, the, the Tesla logos down onto the, the ground, all that stuff. Abstractocean.com, 15% off coupon code by using the, uh, the sorry, the coupon code RTL podcast. So that's that. That's, that's good for 15% off of your first order there. Immaculate Reflections took wonderful care of my Model 3. If you're in the Bay Area or taking delivery in the Bay Area, you might want to uh, check them out, see if they might, if uh, Jeff might be able to help you out with any detailing needs and desires you have, whether that's a, a uh, new car delivery prep, the paint correction, the paint protection film, the ceramic coating, any of that stuff uh, that you might want to do. You can look up Jeff and Immaculate Reflections at the website irdetailing. Com. I think that about does it. Oh, yeah, if you're, if you're going to grab one of the Jada wireless charging pads, uh, you can get me a couple bucks out of the sale by using this little referral code. Uh, sadly, no discount on this, but if you're ordering one anyway, uh, here you go. Get Jada, J-E-D-A, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And finally, I want to thank the wonderful folks on the uh, Patreon producer tier of things. They get their name mentioned as part of their bonuses. Uh, and those folks are Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, 
Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Luke Miles, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Rick Sinta, Bill Royko, Scott Gillis, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, JC at ev-alliance.co.uk, otherwise known as Cookie UK, and, e <coughs> and my, right when my voice goes, my goodness, EV Raps. Boy, it's been a long show. I should really go. Uh, finally, most of you probably subscribe to the podcast. Again, that's just a free, totally free thing where uh, it means your podcast service will deliver the show to you automatically every week without you having to seek it out. I'm being told, the reason I want to mention this, I'm being told that Google Play Music is phasing out podcasts entirely. So if you do listen to the show, subscribe to the show through there, their, uh, Google wants you to switch over to the Google Podcasts app. So you can do that. I'm also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, which is in your Tesla, Spotify, or the hosting site, teslapodcast.libsyn.com, <clears throat> or every episode is on YouTube as well, just in, in audio form. That's it for me. As you can tell, that's it for my voice as well. This was Ride the Lightning episode 169. It was an action-packed one, my goodness. Uh, I had fun. Daisy has passed out. And that means it's time for me to try and pass out as well. So thank you all so much for, for generously giving me so much of your time this week. It's been well over an hour and a half. As you know, my name is Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, I continue to <laughs> hope that this Roadster dream might come true. Uh, thank you all that have used the referral code so far. Uh, and hopefully hopefully, I can keep it going and, and uh, get even closer and maybe even get there. So happy electric motoring, my friends. And I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's, – it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment, mm. make its maximum fun.